welcome to We're Not Wizards. We are the best, but not wizards. Enjoy the show! with the wonderful Ben Maddox from Five Games for Doomsday. It's full of opinions, it's full of swear words, it's full of Ben's thoughts, uh, so it goes off the rails, but uh, yeah, so just a quick heads up on that, but uh, there's no intro as normal, but enjoy the show. They don't actually know. Oh, we're recording. This is exciting. We're just going to press record because it's like one of these things where we just record and that's that's how it goes and we just put the big light on so I've got light in the back. I'm not actually dying. I'd like to point out the big glowing box behind me. It's Scottish sunlight. It's, it's actually been remarkably, remarkably very, very warm today. I think it's about 15, 16 degrees, which is... Wow. Marvelous. You know what? what? You know what? There's no greater way to start off every form of entertainment than hot weather chat. (laughs) It could be worse. I could be starting it off by saying, do you know what? There was going to be a couple of things I wanted to touch on. Because it's like... uh it's like, do I say welcome to the show? I can't, I don't know. Because we never I don't, you use... have. Well, I don't know. I mean, you can always do it after, you know. We can kind of just like jump in. I think normally what happens when you get involved in a recording like this is we just start and then people kind of catch up and go, oh, they know each other. So they're talking. Right. Because usually I kind of do some kind of wonderful, you know, um, wonderful kind of intro, which is off the cuff and generally kind of wonderful, you know. It's, the um, thing is, that's, that's the amazing thing about you is, you know, everything you do is off the cuff, and yet it sounds even less prepared than that. (laughs) It's truly, it's truly an art. It's amazing the fact that I can kind of like roll into something thinking I'm a professional, and then it comes into kind of like, say like the Golden Geek Awards. Yeah. And I'm wondering why I'm not even nominated. And then you've reminded me why I wasn't nominated, because I think... you know, I'm. This is my. Uh, I'm rehearsing my speech for when is it <laughs> Thursday when it's announced and I, I don't win. I, I don't even. Care. Do you know what I mean? This is how far. This is how, we're going to get into this, but this. I, I'm rehearsing my speech. It's a popularity contest, Richard. It doesn't. I, I love it when people say that. Oh, it's a popularity contest. Don't worry about it. What, that means I'm not popular. How is that supposed to make me feel in any way better? It's like... I've been oh, you doing... mean everyone thinks I'm shit? I've oh, been... well, I mean, then I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Sorry, am I allowed to swear on this? Well, as always, you are always the person that always... Because everybody does that. It's like, oh, bum face. Oh, did I say bum face? But you just come in and you just like... It doesn't matter. I've never quite understood night. it. I've, n- I've never quite understood it. You listen to these podcasts. And I've, I've, I've guested on, on a few. Yeah, and you know it's grown. It's grown men usually, but it's grown adults making stuff for other grown adults. But they say, "Oh, please don't use the fuck words. Please don't use the fuck words. Our seven listeners are going to be so offended that you use the fuck words." And it's like, I mean, I could say things that are offensive, 
But I don't think the word fuck, bum, and fanny are particularly <laughs> offensive. Because, you know, I have a bum, as do you. I have a willy, as do you. Uh, and other people have fannies. And people like to fuck. And the thing is, and these people are the product of sexual intercourse. I assume parthenogenesis isn't very common in human beings. And yet the word fuck seems so so scary. I don't get it, Richard. It's um, it's just in case you're listening to it in the car and stuff like that. It's, it's also to because you know because you know. I mean, especially the kind of people. Are, I'm gonna. I. I don't know how much of this you're gonna have to cut. But but the people who tend to get offended by these things tend to come from the other side of the Atlantic to us, and they're deeply offended by the word fuck, and yet. Active shooter drills in schools are a normal thing. It blows my mind what you get het up about. Just, it absolutely just blows my, my fucking bingo, mind. I'm just going to get my bingo card. I'm just going to mark that off. <laughs> Active shooter. It's pretty good going because, I mean, that's four minutes in. You've managed four, to... Four minutes in? Four yeah, minutes. I don't know how much you're going to... I don't know how much was farting ass at the beginning that you're going to cut off. I've, I've no idea. I've no idea at all. Um... Right. Okay. I want to talk. I want to talk about a couple of things. I want to dive into a couple of things because okay. I always value your opinion, and I value your, your your opinion because I think we're on the periphery in some places that we have the ability to make commentary on certain things. While also, kind of also, also, I'm a deeply, deeply flawed human being who <laughs> loves being judgmental about people who are better than me. I love it. That's how I'm able to comment. <laughs> okay, so the BGG stuff, I know we're talking about a popularity contest. Yeah. You you campaigned quite a bit. I mean Oh yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I mean t- you and you you work with Tim. Tim Sir Meeple yeah. to kinda to who is apparently um venturing this way over into this this side of the Atlantic, probably to talk to you about kind of using Using swearing in a podcast, but yeah, you, you kind of generated these wonderful kind of graphical design, almost like AI images, to help kind of kind of boost the campaign. I think they were AI images. Was it so, a, so the story of this? Is, yeah, is it a conscious effort to actually so, go ahead? So, so yine. That's a brilliant one for the listeners. You might not <laughs> understand this. It's a brilliant word. It's a German word. It's yine, which is ja and no. So instead of saying, because I'm really pretentious, I say yine instead of yes and no. Yeah. Um, so so I wrote to Tim, because Tim does images for the podcast, right? Yeah. And he's such a wonderfully generous bloke. Yeah. And he also did images for me for a recent job application that I, I failed to get. And um, I just said to him, could you do a campaign poster for 5G for D for the Golden Geeks, right? Yeah. Expecting him to just send me one image that I wanted to upload, and that yeah. would be fine. And he just, he went on a creative frenzy and was sending me, like, images and images and images. So I just used them, because why wouldn't I? You know what I mean? And and that was it. It was completely off his own back. And he's incredibly talented. And, you know, some of them were just amazing. I mean, the Indiana Jones one was fantastic, I thought. And the Star Trek one was brilliant as well. But did you... I mean, it was a, was it then a thought? I think, well, I better go out and bloody campaign for this thing then, if it's going to be. Well, I mean, I mean, campaigning's a bit much. I just uploaded shit to Instagram and Facebook, basically. It was everywhere. <laughs> I mean, this it is true, like, but it was I, like I wasn't. A, this wasn't like oh, a campaign. It wasn't campaign. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't going out like knocking door to door. 
No, although I, I was at, I, although I was at my game group on Thursday, mm. and like pretty much I've, everyone I've gone up to and said, you know, vote for me. They've gone, I don't know how, and I said, I'll show you how, and they've gone, all right. Yeah. And you know, some some people though, this one lad who comes to my game group, and I sort of know him reasonably well. He was like, oh, I've got to listen to your podcast before I decide whether to vote, and I'm like. No, you don't. Just, just fucking vote. And he's like, no, I've got to listen to an episode. So I, I basically cut him out of my will. It's amazing. I, I, well, that's probably one of these things. If you're going around saying to people, if you vote for my podcast, then I'll put you in my will. I mean, you're going to end up kind of cutting some kind of cutting some people out in it. Yeah. This, this was the first year, I'll admit it, this is the first year I looked at the list and I didn't recognize some of the people that were on the list. No, uh, a lot I didn't, in fact. I, I don't know if it's because I I, I think, not with it, I'm not going to say when I cared, but not, because when I was in it, and I think it's down to how much, how often I live with, how often I listen to podcasts now, because I don't listen to podcasts as much as I want to, except when I'm working, I walk in the dog. I used to commute and I work from home. So I don't get that 45 minute commute in the morning right. and the hour at night coming on the way back. So I do miss out on some kind of podcast listening. But there was guys in the list there that I just didn't, I just didn't recognize at all. And no, and I, I think as well, I mean, if you're like me, when you first get into board gaming, you, you just listen to all the content, you watch all the videos and that kind of fades away. Mm. And kind of the only YouTube board gamey stuff I watch is specific tutorials for games I'm wanting to learn. Yes. And sometimes the Dice Tower reviews. And then and then podcasts. I listen to Punchboard Paradise occasionally. Yeah. We're Not Wizards occasionally. Yeah. The Snobs occasionally. Yeah. Mike and Dan occasionally. But that's not because, you know, I don't listen to their shows. It's just that they publish two episodes a year and then get nominated for an award. <laughs> But <laughs> my word, are you just shoot that shot's fired? I, I mean, it's, it's not shot's minutes, fired. It's not like I'm slandering. Of, it's not like I'm slandering them or anything. Active I mean, it's, it's true. And then shots fired with regards to like, well, they are sporadic. I mean, Dan I mean, did say this, the the the, the title at the moment is particularly apt. Yeah, but then, but I, in all fairness, in all fairness, Dan has been moonlighting on the snobs for a while when Jerry wasn't available. Yeah. So he was still trying. I think he's a man that has to create. Well, I'm hoping. I mean, I voted this. I voted for him for Core yeah. Quest in the two categories yeah. that he was nominated for a Core Quest, which I think is brilliant. I hope he wins. I think it would be great. You'd never hear. I mean, I'm never going to play Core Quest, right? Because I'm not a child. But I think the I think the the idea and the execution was absolutely fantastic. And I don't have kids, and I won't have kids near me because they're filthy, disease-carrying rats. <laughs> so I'm never going to have the opportunity to play Core Request, but I still very much admire what he did with it. It was an absolute niche product. Can you look at it? And I'm still like thinking, there's still not, and if I waited an hour five years, there still would not be somebody else that would produce like a game which was based around kind of kids providing the art for it. Because art well, the thing is with Dan, right, the thing is with Dan is he's just, I wish I had this. He's incredible at marshalling a community. Absolutely yeah. incredible. And so the thing is, Dan is a director in the in the true sense, right? In the sense that he has creative input, but I think where his real talent lies is 
marshalling various different aspects and bringing them together to create something greater than the whole. It's an incredible talent. And it was I just, just wish he was. I just wish he wasn't such a bellend. <laughs> it's just gonna have to put the explicit warning on this because it's not like I, there's no way. No, this right? is this is fine. The Americans don't know what bellend means, so I can say bellend and bollocks all I want. This is why not only right is Ted Lasso crap, oh, come on. but also it's bringing English swear words to Americans. So now they're gonna get offended by the English swear words. I think it's very unfair. <clears throat> I do like Ted Lasso. It's bollocks. It's not. It's trite. Yes. Sappy yes. crap. Yes, it's like. Oh, I hate it. It's I lovely. hate every it's second of it. Absolutely, just because you would like to be the Roy Kent character. Let's face it. I don't want my art to challenge me. I just want to be fed <laughs> soppy rags of syrup. Therefore, I watch this crap. Oh, I like my comedies to be cruel. I was I was rewatching um, Arrested Development recently. Right. And Arrested Development is fantastic. And everyone in it is craven and cowardly and mean. And as a result, you just get this wonderfully sparky, hilarious comedy. But no, comedy now has to be bland enough that even assholes on Twitter can't find anything to comment about. (laughs) Because our whole life should be dictated by five assholes on Twitter. I hope Musk burns the fucking thing to the ground. There is no greater cancer at the heart of our society than fucking Twitter. You still not got over your Twitter thing, then? I don't like Twitter. <laughs> Do I don't like Twitter, Rich. It's still gonna. It's still gonna. It was kind of like a rage that. I mean, it's it's the rage that sets the fire at the middle of the rebellion, isn't it? Right. Exactly. You know. So, do you really? Okay. What does it mean? Right, okay. If we're talking about the the BGG, the Golden Geeks and whatever. Yeah. Nice, I, nice, nice pullback to the topic. Good job. People, people that... That's okay, fine hosting. Somebody that deserves to win. I think Liz Davidson deserves to win. Because I think the level of content that they're producing at the moment... <coughs> stop it. God, the word content. Okay, the podcast stuff that they're producing, the entertainment that they're producing is both educational and informative, and I don't mean that in a kind of a sycophantic style everybody else is just like talking heads i mean i'm I'm never gonna get nominated for it what about fucking me talking head right me talking head with like a really good accent that's all i have i have cthulhu you haven't been listening to the rpg podcast Uh i assume but um yeah cthulhu co-hosts the rpg podcast with me which i mean that's a get isn't it isn't it that i managed to get cthulhu to co-host Cthulhu's everywhere it's now huh? it's impossible to kind of like create some kind of horror genre now without Cthulhu kind of. Yeah, but Cthulhu up. and his son Derek. <laughs> Derek. <laughs> Cthulhu and his son Derek co-host the RPG podcast with me. Uh, you have to tell me more about this RPG podcast. Can, g- give me a sec. Can you vamp just for two minutes? Yes. I'm going to take an antihistamine because my nose is running. Oh. Do you know what this is? This is the kind of the, and I'm going to vamp for two minutes, but this is obviously the result of somebody blocking up their nose with all of the bad language that they have been proliferating over the last, and it's 14 minutes, people. I consider swearing to be part of my cultural heritage. And for anyone, I was brought up in a maelstrom of swearing from the Midlands. And to, to censor my language is to censor my heritage. 
But you censor it for the podcast, though. We, whose podcast? Yours. Do I balls? Yes, you do. Not as much. You don't. I don't hear you. S- no. So so okay. Okay. So for yeah. the listeners. So yeah. for the for the listeners who don't know my show. So I have the the serious show, the Five Games for Doomsday podcast, yes. where I interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's the one I'm talking about. And mostly because the podcast has a serious tone. Mm. Are you drinking Ribena? Yeah. Oh, why? Um, well, because yeah. the podcast has Apple a serious. Black, yeah. Robinsons. Mm, maybe, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because the um, podcast has a serious tone. It generally doesn't have that, but there's been episodes where people swear. Sure. Um, and then, so I do that, and then I yeah. do a couple of shows with my co host, Steve. With a lot of swearing, yes, and then and then I have RPG podcasts where I play solo RPGs. I'm currently doing a playthrough of The Wretched, oh, and that's got lots of that's got lots of swearing in it, and um, and also Cthulhu and his son Derek co-host. <laughs> Are you doing voice? Are you doing voices? Have you moved on in your voice work? No, and I'm not doing voices. Why Cthulhu not? and his son Derek. So so basically, right. I started. So I have. I'm, I'm listening. I have to roll a d6 in the Wretched, yeah. and I have a set of Cthulhu dice, right? Yeah. And I was using the Cthulhu dice to roll, and I would talk about using the Cthulhu dice in the show. Yeah. And then I got a I got a letter through the post, and it was a cease and desist letter from Cthulhu's solicitor, <laughs> telling me that I was no longer allowed to use the Cthulhu dice. I had to cease and desist from using it because I was infringing on Cthulhu's trademark. <laughs> And so is that, I, is that actually true? So I had a chat with Cthulhu's solicitor and we came yeah. to an arrangement. Right. And um, Cthulhu said I could continue to use the dice mm-hmm. if him and his son Derek could co-host the show. So Cthulhu and Derek <laughs> co-host the show with me. Interesting fact. And the yeah. listeners to the podcast would know this, but interesting fact yeah. that um, Starspawn of Cthulhu, which is what Derek is, right? Yeah. Um, have ultraviolet bum holes, which which I didn't know, which was revealed to me on the show. The thing is, that the the problem is also as part of the settlement, I'm having to put put Cthulhu and Derek up, right. and it's very difficult to find a parking space in Berlin for the Cthulhu mobile. Firstly, it's a bit- and then second. Secondly, Cthulhu's a big lad, so finding yeah. space in the flat for him is hard. And Derek is a young lad, so he's out he's out clubbing in Berlin every night. Comes back, you know, after a night of Eldridge techno, comes back completely bombed out of his face. Delights in telling me how everyone in the Berlin club scene is completely beguiled by his ultraviolet bumhole. And, uh, you know, it's very, it's very hard. It's very hard to deal with. But, you know, I think, I think the dynamic between me and Cthulhu works. I, I'm having to teach him. Last episode, like, he asked if he could go for a piss in the middle of the show. And so, you know, I'm having to teach him mic technique and all of that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's yeah. great. It's a great development, having Just Cthulhu as a co-host. And then vamp, and then let him come back. And make exactly. Sure that exactly. Making sure he doesn't pull the flush too hard so it doesn't kind of echo through. That's right. It's like technique. So you thinking, and is there a danger here that Cthulhu goes off and produces his own pod, their own podcast and well, then my, leaves what? the show? No, that's not my worry at all. But Cthulhu is, you know, the Lord of Rillier. Um, age may not wither him and all of that sort of stuff. My worry is that he might try and take over the whole shebang himself. You know, it'd be better just get, like stealing the mic and then just doing it himself. Right, exactly. I mean, that's yeah. the worry. Yeah. Do you think so? 
I mean, how if if I mean, would he just eat you, or would he just like? Well, make, I mean, the thing is, existence or just the thing is, he's a lot. He's a lot more insecure than you'd imagine. Really, Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, he's very insecure about having a face face made of tentacles. Um, I would say, and, do you know what it is? I think that because everybody talks about them, yeah. That everybody kind of has their own little take on him, and and people research him. So he's walking about, going, "Well, people kind of know what my potential weaknesses are and stuff like that." I mean, my he's been studied. It's well, the like thing is, I mean, the thing is, you know, I I speak to him occasionally. We, you know, over over beans on toast, loves beans on toast, Cthulhu. Um, over I'm beans on toast, we'll have a chat, and he he, you know. He's very unhappy with the way Lovecraft presented him because he's he's not that aggressive. He doesn't merge out of the sea and eat ships whole yeah. with his tentacled face. Yeah. Mostly. But he does merge out of bed and eat beans. Yeah, yeah, loves beans. Loves beans on toast. Is it Which new, the thing is I live in Europe, thing? right? And yeah. beans are expensive. A tin of beans is expensive over here. It's like I don't know, it's like one fifty for a tin of beans or something. Is that what it is now? That's I expensive. Just, I, I tell it's because they're imported, right? I was seeing just the other day, that I managed for the first time to break £200 on the monthly shop. Bloody hell. I mean, you've got you've got small mouths to feed as well. I have, yeah. Got... I mean, I've got, yeah. I mean, I've got, uh, you know, the dogs here and uh, my youngest as well. But still the thing, it was a shop kind of thing. I had a game. I used to play a game. When I go to the shops now, I'm a boy. We play a game, which is give us the level that you think the shopping's going to be. Right, and I always hopefully go. It's going to be less than this, and he says it's always going to be more. And over the last couple of months, it slowly went up and up and up and up. And it's not like it bought anything different. It's not like oh, go and, we'll buy the the two tins of caviar instead of the three. It's just like right. normal day to day stuff. It's quite neeps. It's quite I mean, I assume I assume your trolley is over over overflowing with neeps and yeah, haggis and sheep's stomach and. And Deep all those, fried scotch and <laughs> Lauren sausage and <laughs> square sausage and iron. Do you brew. still have Do you still have those chippies in Scotland that are like corner shops? What they're everywhere. But it's like a chippy, but it's not just a chippy. It sells fags and it sells booze and it sells loads oh, of yeah, bread. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You have that, you, like you get them. Yeah, it used to be up and down Edinburgh all the time. You go up and down like Leith Walk, and every kind of corner you'd have like a chippy, but it would never be. A really, really big chippy. It would almost be like a chippy that was the size of a small boutique, and the fryer right. would be at the back, and then above them on the back, they'd like literally be selling like you'd have like kind of like a row of cigarettes, and then there'd be like some booze, and then there'd be some chocolate bars, and so you'd go and like, like tins of jam and shit. Yeah, uh, yeah, just toilet paper. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Washing, washing up liquid, just like kind of like a day to day kind of corner shop that you could get yourself like a, a kind of a um, <clears throat> a king rib supper. Which is... so? So, how do you do your chips? Because I lived with a Scottish person, and he right. said to me, "Salt and sauce is what you have on your chips." It depends where you're from. Yeah, he because... was from Dundee, right? So that's possibly if you're East Coast, you're generally a salt and sauce type of person. If you're West Coast, you're more along the lines of a salt and vinegar type situation. What, what are you? Um, now I'm probably still would be a salt and sauce if I could if I could eat it. But I don't what do you mean? If you could eat it, you can't eat it. Can't because because the celiac stuff. I can't eat. Oh, I can't, okay. yeah, I can't eat stuff from the chippy. Because well, there is a place. There's actually strange now. There's like chippies now that they do like a gluten free day. A taters. A taters got loads of gluten in them. 
No, they've not. They've got no gluten in them at all. But the oil. So that what can't f- you eat from a chippy then? The oil that they fry the potatoes. Oh in. right, okay. Yeah, I didn't they put know everything. That. They put everything else. They put all the fish batter and stuff like that in it, which is full of flour. So generally, what they'll do is that you do get places now that say like Monday, the start of the week, when we change the oil, we'll have like a gluten free. We'll keep one of the fryers kind of gluten free. So you can go in, and as long as you give them lots of lots of warning, they'll fire up that fryer, and you can get whatever you kind of want. And then the rest of the week, you can't have kind of anything at all. So you can't have battered anything then. Well, see, that's the thing. And was talk was like I went for uh, I went to kind of like the local curry house about two yeah. three weeks ago, and they basically had a menu, and they had a menu saying like what was gluten free and what was dairy free, and literally. 99% of everything on that menu was both gluten-free and dairy-free. Because yeah. if you go to like, you know, it's really funny. Because it's like, I was asking my one of my friends uh, who was, you know, he's got a curry house. He's from, he was from Bangladesh. Well, his family's from Bangladesh. And he says that over there, we don't use wheat flour because nobody grows wheat in Bangladesh. They grow right. chick, it's chickpea flour that you use. Right. And they don't use kind of like milk for anything. They use kind of like, you know, anything else except kind of like kind of milk. So a lot of the stuff that being used for like, say, even like pakoras and poppadoms and stuff like that, poppadoms are kind of, um, they're kind of chickpea flour. They're not kind of wheat flour. So the poppadom crisps right. that you get, they're generally not, they're just generally gluten-free. So I was able to set look at a menu and literally order every single thing on that menu except for one kind of thing that I couldn't have because it's got dairy in it as well. So, I mean, it's absolutely... So you're, you're allergic to dairy as well? Yeah. So what happens? Do you, like, poo yourself? Yeah. Literally. It's like a Jackson Pollock see, has visited see, my house. It's a it's a nightmare, right? It's a nightmare. Because if you were at school... Yes. You could deliberately eat that shit so you could have the next day off from school. Yeah, you could. Because I had a friend who's allergic to cheese. And if he felt like a day off school, he'd just eat cheese the night before. And he'd wake up with a splitting headache. But And then he could stay at home and play Super NES, you know. But there's like, I think there's tons, there's ton, I don't think it's a new thing. I think there's more awareness of it. I think there's, because everybody used to have like, you know, you used to get your gran and go, oh, yeah, but only just give us the two slices of cheese and crackers. Because you know what I'm like after I've had a third. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Always like, I think everybody kind of like, you know, the human body can't, digest dairy after the age of six months because you don't have renin in it so a lot well, of it's not getting... true is it richard it is. we have genetically evolved to be able to process it after infancy there but there are people in east asia for instance who don't have that gene so they're unable to but yeah. there are of course some people but i mean yeah I, the thing is i think i think there is a lot of hypochondria in the world but i still I, but i think it's undoubtedly true that people have reactions to gluten and I don't think most people are lying about it because why would you? Because bread's great. Why would you <laughs> lie about it? It's like something like we were discussing. Like over here, we had this like this waste, large large waste of money, which was basically a huge alarm that went off at three o'clock on a Sunday on everybody's mobile phone over here because obviously they're, they're t- folk are going, they're testing us for something. And like it got into right the conversation. It's like if you if there was a huge disaster and you knew it was going to happen, what would you do in your last half hour? And it's like, I'd be heading as quickly as I could to Greg's the Baker's. And I'd just be... I'd be well, how long does smashing. it... How long do the shits take to, to, to hit you after you eat some gluten? It could be 10 minutes. It's, re- it's it? really... It can be pretty... So, so saying that, that makes sense. If you've got 30 minutes, you run to Greg's, yeah. you're in the queue, yeah. 
And just as you finished eating your last sausage roll, boom, done. <laughs> I just explode. I'm dead. That's yeah, it. I'm gone. exactly. I'm gone. And if I want to, I'd have like a custard-filled donut. And people always go, oh, if I had 30 minutes left into the world, I'd just be having sex. And it's like, you could get it up when you're that bloody scared of dying. I don't believe you. I don't believe you're capable of reaching an erection at that point. I'm just that's running like, around. I'm just running around screaming. That's all I'm doing. It's like, it's like, you're, that's what you're saying. It's like your entire show, the kind of the five names for doomsday. And you're like, and you look at that picture and take it for when they loved you and things like that. And then you look over your points against you take five games. It's like, if there's a disaster coming, right? I'm standing out in the middle of the road, right? Waiting are you are you dissecting the whole fucking premise of my show here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know it's stupid. I've had I've had some of that. Some of the people who agree to come on the show, and they'll because you know board gamers and everything, yeah, and they'll write me a letter and they'll say, uh, "Well, if if the world was ending, I don't think I'd take any games with me." And I go, "I know none of us would." <laughs> But, you know, I've got to have a premise. Just just fucking yes and me for two minutes, please. I, I remember at the end of my show, for the longest time, I did a whole zombie apocalypse. You're breaking into a zombie. And I stopped it. I, I'd like to point out for the record that I stopped it because I started listening to your show. And I went... Because <laughs> at the end of the show, I used to say, right, okay, it's the zombie apocalypse. You know, you've managed to kind of, like, escape, but you've broken into kind of, like, some kind of shoppy warehouse. And in the warehouse... There's like every single board game that's ever been invented. And you've got one of those trolleys and you've got the ability to take three. So what three do you take with you? And then for, somebody said, it's an awful lot like Ben Maddox's show. You might want to pre- And at the time, obviously, you were still getting, you know, you're, and as you still are, you're still kind of getting out, like super much kind of the old guard kind of guests and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I better kind of. I don't want to be. In, I don't want to be uh, accused of uh, of plagiarism here. I'll just. I'll just kind of kind of step that back. Um, are there still are there still people you want to get on the show? I mean, do you still sure. have I mean, kind of like? There's still people. There's still people that were on my original list from the day I started the show that I'd love to have on. Many have turned me down. Right. Um, Klaus Teuber turned me down shortly before he passed. Yeah. I don't know whether he, when he turned me down if he was ill or not, but um, but yeah, I would have loved to have had Klaus Teuber on. Of course, that's not going to happen. Uh, Christian Peterson, I would love to have on at some point because I think he was. I mean, as much as anything, he was central to my introduction to gaming because I used to buy every Fantasy Flight game when I first got into gaming. You know, um, yeah, I'd love to get Trey Parker. I'd love to get. I mean, loads of people, loads of people. I'd love to get Brenda Romero, but she stood me up, so I don't think I'll get her on the show. <laughs> no, we arranged an appointment, and I sent her a link and everything, yeah. and she just didn't turn up to the interview. And then I wrote her an email, and she ghosted me. So, you know, wow. it is what it is. It's fine. I'm not important. I'm not important, Richard. Yeah, but, I mean, you're more important. Okay, so here's the thing. It's like, going back to feeling important, doubt. Do you get plagued by doubt? Of course. My life isn't... You asked me earlier where I got the grey beard from. Yeah. I mean, it's because I'm old, but also because I'm just riddled with self-doubt at all times. I mean, in all all times in every aspect of my life. I'm doing a play at the moment, and we're devising the show ourselves. Yeah. That's an absolute bloody nightmare. And I've said I'll go away and write something. So, so, so this is the thing. 
I think often with people, especially in creative fields, when they don't do something they've said they're going to do, the assumption is that people are lazy, and I don't think that's what it is. I think it's that people, they hit a moment of extreme insecurity and it just arrests their movement. So I'm writing a game at the moment. I'm writing an RPG based upon the wretched system. And my last writing session was two months ago, just because I came out of that writing session feeling like a complete hack and that I didn't know what I was doing and I haven't been able to face it since. And I'm I'm coming into a period of quietness after this and I'm going to pick it up and restart again. But the, and, and the thing is, the, one, the best way to... So the reason I don't have self-doubt with the podcast is because I can't because I have a specific date I need to upload stuff, right? So you just need to fight through that self-doubt because if you don't, you won't get it out on time and that's vital. When I write for the magazine, every article I write when I sit down to start it, I wrote, so in the next issue of the magazine, um, I've written the obituary for Klaus Teuber. Yeah. And... You know, writing that was was completely nerve-wracking. I felt like a complete imposter, you know. But I had a deadline, and I'm getting paid for it. Yeah. And you need, to, you know. And so there is nothing, there is no better way to get over self-doubt than the combined two factors of being paid and having a deadline. If you have those, then self-doubt is always there it's always yeah. next to you yeah but you have this very strict timetable you have to stick to so you just do it yeah and and no. the thing is i mean i've failed at a lot of things in my life right and i've succeeded a lot of things so i i do a lot of voiceover work and i never trained to be a voiceover artist i just someone said to me once do you want to do a voiceover i had no idea what i was doing i'd never done it before and i just went yeah sure mm. and i was shitting myself and i rocked up and the first time it was fine and then i've had i've had serious situations i went for a casting a voice casting once and i'd been i'd been working as a voice actor for 10 years at that point and the woman i was and I, it was just an audition. And the woman I was doing the casting for absolutely tore me a new one after the casting. Sort of, what are you doing here? You're not a professional. Wow. I've wasted my time having you in this room and all this wow. sort of stuff, you know. And I'd been a professional voice actor and done loads of professional jobs by that point. And, you know, but, I mean, the, the thing about being an artist, I suppose, is the, and earning your money from it, is that you are riddled with self-doubt, but you have to constantly defeat it because otherwise you don't pay your rent, you know? It's kind of strange because, I mean, I've been writing a couple of articles for the Tabletop Gaming Magazine yeah. myself. And it was that kind of thing where it was kind of like I sent it through to... Um, I sent the finished article through to the editor, but it wasn't finished in my mind. It was like the type of thing that I would continually go back and they actually... They actually, need, I said, oh, I, I might, I, there's a couple of things I want to change. It's like, no, 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 you, you're not allowed to change it now. It's mine. I'm yeah, the editor. Yeah. You've, you've done your job. You know, I've asked you to produce a body of work or X amount of work, X number of words on a particular subject. You came to me with the idea. I've asked you to produce the piece. You produce the piece. There you go. And then it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's kind of like, I, I can't, I just have to let it go. And I think sometimes the doubt manifests itself with because you can go back again and again and kind of look at results of things, especially if you're the person that's in charge of the creativity and also able to see the results. It's like I'm going back at the moment and I was looking at 
the podcast kind of mid to the end of 2019. Mm. And the the kind of the daily listens and the downloads are kind of like really, really high. And that was before kind of like the pandemic hit. Mm. <clears throat> and when the pandemic hit, I went, nah, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not feeling this. I'll, t- I'll t- I kind of take a break. And now we're kind of like, we're back at kind of, we're growing again and it's getting bigger again and it's getting up again. But it's just kind of like, oh, I didn't expect I'd have to start from the beginning kind of thing. I thought people would kind of, you need to switch on. But then you realize that, especially in kind of like, not just in general, in terms of when you're making something, when when you're going out there and you're producing something for other people to consume, if you all of a sudden kind of disappear and stop consuming, then people move on to something else quite quickly or they forget you exist. You know, it's taken a long, it's taken a long time to kind of, um, I mean, it's inevitable. This is the, this, I, I hate the term content because it, it, it's sort of, it's not even commodifying creative arts. It's, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's implying that it's just, it's just, all you're doing is filling a bucket that needs to be filled and it doesn't matter with with what it's filled you know but it's undeniable that that there is so much entertainment now that you've got to you've got to cons- consistently i don't think it's necessarily doing a lot but it's being dependable and being consistent because it's yes. not dependable and i i think you absolutely can do too much as well because it, so so from my point of view, if I've got a podcast and I have very few podcasts that I instantly listen to the minute they download, right? Yeah, yeah. There's one or two that are just instant listens, but there's very few of those. And I find that if I am if I look at my podcatcher and the producer has done a lot of episodes and I have 10 backed up, yeah, my thought is, do I catch up or do I just forget that this thing ever existed you know what yeah, i mean and yeah. just push it away and so it, it's really it, it's finding a balance but it, and you you watch videos about how to produce content on the internet and one thing they say is absolutely true be consistent be dependable so people know that at certain points they're going to be able to receive this certain thing from you you know and then and there are there are other aspects to modern modern media that i find a little distasteful the sort of parasocial relationship stuff, the sort of... Instagram is very like this, you know. If, if you look at a lot of people, the way people operate on Instagram, it's all sort of asking their followers questions yeah. that sort of imply a familiarity yeah. that they don't really <laughs> care about, but they're leveraging people's loneliness and desire uh, uh, loneliness and natural inclination to be drawn to someone and create a fantasy relationship in their head to monetize this and i i think it's i think it's unseemly but it's kind of how it it's kind of how it works right it's kind so, of you know how, go, how it's kind of going and i think it's important to kind of ground yourself and remember where you kind of came from and like, and I see people who, and and you see them, I do see them like going, yeah, we, we just hit our first kind of thousand downloads. And it's like, why am I disappointed when I'm looking at that figure for certain things 
when I remember the sheer elation that I had the first time that I kind of hit it. And it's kind of like, it's like getting the, getting the article printed in the magazine. I'd never had anything printed in the magazine. And I was just like, I'd shown like, you know, sent, I sent, I sent like messages to like my other kids and um, my brother and that saying, look, look. And it's like, cool. And it's like, do I then need to keep this going? But am I keeping it going to validate the fact that I'm doing this or am I okay to walk away now? Or is, that, do I still, is this now something else I also have to do in order to kind of... Well, the way I balance level? it, the way I balance it and the way I stay kind of motivated is I use it to make money. Yeah. And, and that sounds incredibly crass and cynical. No. But nevertheless, it's a great incentive to produce stuff. And it's a great incentive to produce stuff in that is compelling and good. Yes. Because the difference between an amateur and a professional is the money. And when you have financial incentives wrapped up... So, you know, I've started doing quite a few voiceovers for sort of board game companies now. Yeah. And it's imperative to me that I'm quick and I'm good. And because I want to work more. And I have always brought that attitude to my own work to the podcast and the podcast doesn't bring me loads of money but it doesn't bring me insignificant amounts of money either and so so i i'm very i'm very insistent on trying to be as good as i can with anything that utilizes my core skills right anything yeah. that utilizes performance i want to be as good as possible because all of that i consider acting in a very very broad sense right and that's why i care and I think it's also fine if you don't really care and you're doing it for a lark. I, th I think that's also fine. I tend to get a bit cheesed off by people who kind of don't... And the thing is, I'm a bitter old twat, right? And this is always the thing. And I, I, tend, <laughs> I, I tend to get a bit knocked off by people who kind of don't do anything and manage to get loads and loads of attention. That kind of pisses me off a bit. And there's a, there's a whole list of people I could mention here, but I'm far too classy to do that. <laughs> we'll but, put, put links in the show notes. <laughs> right. And and also yeah. and also I mean it's the, the the constant the constant refrain with board game media, right? Is and, and I can't believe it's ever a question, you know, should you be paid for reviews and everything. But I remember once, I can't remember what game it was. I, I think it was a Thunderworks game, and I wanted to see a review of it. And I know if there's a Dice Tower review of it, yeah, that at least I'm going to get an honest opinion on whether they think it's good. And I, I tend to trust Tom yeah. on his views. But this one game, I couldn't... The only reviews, and I'm doing inverted commas here for the listeners, that I could find were channels that I absolutely do not trust. The, I have seen the contributors to these channels on social media um, on social media channels talking about, you know, developing relationships with publishers. And you can tell by their content that they absolutely do not want to be honest about whether they think something's good or not because it'll fundamentally damage their relationship with the publisher. And I always go on about this. I always harp on about this, but I think it's um I think it's uh I think it's vital. And so I remember looking and I thinking I can't watch their video on it because yeah. I don't trust them because <clears throat> yeah. they won't tell me the truth because they're just doing it for the money. And this one and this one and this one it, it was really frustrating. But with the magazine, right? I 
offered to review my father's work for the magazine. Ah, right, okay. And I, I wrote to Christopher, and I said, I'll review my father's work. And he said, yeah, okay. And then he wrote back to me an hour later and went, Ben, you did the voice for the app on my father's work. You can't review the game. Yeah. And while I lost the money for that review, at the same time, I was like, well, this is great. Yes. Right? This is great that he's just like... Because it didn't really occur to me, although it should have, because I always harp on about it. But it was it was great that I was put in check, and I know working for this magazine means that I am allowed to be honest and they don't brook any dishonesty which is which is so rare in this in the board game industry I think. I'm going to read a I'm going to read a tweet <clears throat> okay which is relevant I love Twitter I know you do it's it's um it's Matt Thrower yep who's doing it he's doing a new podcast at the moment called Cult of the Old okay um, yeah but he's I like saying Matt. I do like I have a lot of time for Matt actually um, it says, having another one of my periodic review copy droughts, they seem to be becoming more frequent and longer lasting. Publishers increasingly want influencer puff pieces rather than reviews. And he says, oh, it doesn't help us, although this is a, certainly a nice problem to have, that professional editors commission what's hot, and by the time I know what's hot, review copy stocks are often long, long gone. Are we... Are we just going to have to accept that actually getting that publishers don't particularly want critiquing of their product and actually just want people who are kind of marketing? And is the no, no is the one number- does. So, so the point is right. No one does. Yeah. Film directors don't. Publishers don't. Like yeah. book publishers don't. Record companies don't. They don't want people to negatively critique their work. Right. They don't. Yeah. The people who create the stuff don't but in all of those other industries and all of those other art forms there are organs of record yes that you need to be featured in and part of the risk of doing that is part of the risk of doing that is that you may get negative write-ups right but you need to be reviewed by the guardian you need to be reviewed by the new york times you need to be reviewed by the enemy and rolling stone right Mm -hmm. there's nothing like that in board gaming there's nothing like that. Um, there's, I, I guess, Dan Thoreau comes closest to that. Yeah. I mean, Shut Up and Sit Down have previously said they don't like doing negative reviews of stuff, which I think is an abnegation of responsibility. Well, but what about, okay, what about no pun included? Um, I couldn't tell you because I don't watch his stuff. Uh, but fine. But I, the problem is. There isn't, there isn't a, an organ of record. So there's no. So so I mean, I one thing I did see once on Twitter was Efka and Jamie Stegmaier getting into some sort of Barney. Yeah. Because Efka had negatively reviewed a Stonemaier game and basically just Stonemaier said, "I'm not sending you games anymore." Um, and he can do that, right? Because yeah. there's no punishment to not being featured on their channel, yeah. right? So there's no organ of record. And so, of course, of course, publishers don't... They want influencer puff pieces. And there are enough 
soulless wankers out there who will happily do it for the price of a fucking review copy and some fucking hearts on Instagram. Yeah. Christ, Instagram is the worst. Absolute fucking worst. It is just people holding up fucking boxes. Now, I do it on Instagram, but that's not where I do my reviews. Instagram's just a lark for me, right? But but there are people whose who's entire fucking I'm media just finding output... My <laughs> but their entire media output is literally holding up a box and then Yeah, but I've seen I mean I've seen that and I see it on the board game reviewers group and I see people kind of going like, Oh, I'd like would anybody be interested in reviewing our the game? The board game reviewers group is not so the board game reviewers group on Facebook Is it a reviewers is, group? Hmm? Is it a reviewers It's a board group? game media and reviewers group, right? Yeah. That's yeah. not what it is. They should rename the fucking group to How Do I Get Free Games? The How Do I Get Free Games group. Because that's all anyone ever fucking talks about. Because when because when people say, how do I develop a relationship with a publisher? Yeah. What they mean is, is how do I get free games? That's what they fucking mean. And, and I really fell into this trap. So I remember I was at Essen once. Yeah. And... I went to DLP Games and asked if I could get a copy of Altiplano to review, and they told me no. Yeah. And then 10 minutes later, I saw Edward from Heavy Cardboard walking away from the stand with 10 copies of Altiplano. Wow. And I felt like shit. And I, part of the reason I stopped doing reviews is because I was starting to judge my success by how many review copies I was getting, uh. which is just insane. It's, oh, it's insane because yeah. everyone will turn you down at some point. Yeah. And so, and so I, the reviews I write for the magazine are games that either someone in my group has bought or I've bought myself. Yeah. Because, like, I, I had a, I got a couple of review copies in for the first time in, in a couple of years now, like a couple of weeks ago, just because they looked interesting and I thought, and I knew the publisher, so I just said, you know, can I get some review copies? Yeah. But the degree to which that is a sign of success within, within this thing is, is, is terrible it's a terrible way so you're not you're not basing your success on the quality of the work you produce you're not basing it on how much your listeners or viewers interact with you or enjoy the work you do you're basing it on how much free loot you can accrue which is which is just perverse and that's why i kind of stopped doing reviews because it was just like you know i was either looking at a pile of games that I didn't really have much interest in and was having to play because I'd made the commitment to, because I'd received a free copy, I'd made the commitment to reviewing them, yeah. or feeling bad because some reviewer, some publisher who I liked didn't deem me important enough. I remember Czech Games Edition. I wrote to them to ask to get on their reviewer list, so they just wrote back a really curt email saying you don't have enough downloads. And I was... I mean, I almost stopped doing the podcast. I was that, I was that pissed off by the response, and it's such a stupid way to think about it. Especially considering now, I've I've really got into my Discord for my podcast, and it's great. The Discord's great. The community is great. Yeah. I have patrons on Patreon. That's great. There are other ways, but this is a big problem with board gaming. 
board game reviewing is that people judge the metric of their success is how many publishers will give them free shit and they are scared to death of turning that tap off so they don't do anything that could could even approach fucking honesty if i'm honest i don't i don't know i don't i I don't know if i I don't i think i'm at this i've got this ability if i want to I don't have to. I don't have to review stuff anymore if I don't if I don't want to because I can just continue with the podcast and I can still I can still contact kind of like I could email a ton of companies and say do you want to come on for a chat and they'll be like yeah yeah sure because it's a chat but then I enjoy that I do re- I enjoy the review side of things but I'm I'm kind of I don't I'm I'm kind of I'm not big enough which is strange. I'm not big enough after doing this for seven years to still be kind of on certain lists. And I think that's because I'm not getting kind of like, you know, I'm not doing 20,000 views or 20,000 downloads every single time I, I release something. You know, it's and, and the thing is, you, you need to stop basing your sense of... I remember there was, there, there was a particularly... There's one influencer on, on Instagram that, I, that knocks me off particularly. And mm. I'm not going to mention who they are. But I remember they did a Q&A and someone asked them a question of, um, you know, what happens if you feature a game you don't like? Yeah. And their response was, oh, I like to dwell on the positive, not not the negative. To which that's a complete abnegation of responsibility. It's a total abnegation of responsibility. Unless you're willing to sit there. Like I did this piece two, three bloody years ago on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're willing to stand there and say, no, I'm a marketing agency. I'm yeah. a one person marketing agency. But and if you want marketing, and then then that's fine. But of course the problem is, you have the problem is because you need engagement because engagement feeds the the publisher force it. And if you say, I'm a, I'm a one person marketing agency, well, of course you don't get the engagement from the viewers or the listeners no, then, no. right? So you kind of have to you have to portray this facade of being an honest, open journalist or whatever. And in reality, what you are is a snivelling marketeer. And I, I use the term snivelling because, you know, you're not willing you're not willing to be honest about what you are. It's it's a bait and switch. It's absolutely repellent in my eye. I, I as time goes on, because it was and the discussion keeps coming up again and again and again and again about people kind of getting paid for the time and it's a circular discussion and everybody has it and then we wait six months and then it kind of comes up again and it's almost a case like we just have to accept that people people want to get paid and they're not particularly caring about how they get paid and there was that guy there was there was an actual quite there was actually there's actually a guy came out recently um on that group and basically said, look, I I went ahead and I offered people copies of the game and I asked them to yeah, I asked them to cover the game for me. And then they replied with a rate sheet on how much it would cost for them to cover the game and give a positive kind of review on that. And I says, Are you gonna are you gonna name people? It's like, no, I'm not gonna name people. And it's like, oh okay. But then I totally the- get I totally get not naming people because it's crass. Although although I feel at this point that kind of people should. Mm. <laughs> I think yeah. people should be called out for this because 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 if you're offering your services for a positive review, that's that's repugnant. It, it's a lie. 
You are betraying the core constitu- the core constituency that you should be thinking about, which are the people consuming your recommendations. If people respect you, but the thing is, I mean, the thing is, and <sighs> Instagram is the one that really knocks me off. I think the most because Instagram is the most manipulative. Instagram is essentially developing relationships with people who you don't give a shit about. Yeah. So it's giving you just enough of the personality to to have people form sort of virtual bonds with you and then exploiting that, which is, which is pretty rough. I, think. I am just going to put your Instagram link as the first link. Oh, my, Instagram, my, Insta- my Instagram's a piss take, and it's, it's fine. I'm on Instagram because yeah. I, I, I kind of consider it necessary to some degree. But you know, my work is not on Instagram. Me holding up a board game box and sticking my two fingers up to the camera it's is brilliant. not is not my work. That's just me larking it's, around. It's Instagram, literally yeah. it's literally like Jarvis Cocker invading the stage when Michael Jackson performed. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the kind of thing. Okay, so then moving it on. It deserves to be treated with contempt. It's a contemptuous thing. Okay, then in the same connection. I don't know if you heard about the kind of the crowdfunding effort for tabletop news. I I had a look. I don't know if it funded in the end. It did. It did. I think it did. I believe it did. I think they funded it. The the kind of it was a kind of a, a sporadic kind of on and off kind of tabletop news. In that case, I must admit I wasn't. I was. I wasn't. I did ask some questions and say, "Are you actually going to be covering the news?" Because there is a there is a couple of news channels, Brainwaves, the Giant Brain. Those guys mm-hmm. actually take all the news stories and they say, "Right, we're going to cover them." Um, and 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 five G for D news yes, monthly. Nice, okay. okay, okay. Not, not I bloody I I had Matt Leacock discussing Daybreak this month. Fine, but. Bloody hell! Talking about the Giant Brain when you've got the fucking yeah. All right then. Okay, Giant. Okay. Genitals point, on your my, show. My, yeah, they would say. Um, but my point is, are we really, really surprised that there's an organisation calling itself Tabletop News that doesn't actually seem to be covering the news, but seems to be like an an entertainment news channel, which is it's like good, literally... It's young, it's young, beautiful people doing vacuous, vacuous shit. It's going to be fine. No one's going to watch it. it it's fine. Yeah. You know, I think I, the, the, the thing is, I mean, fundamentally, these are board games, right? It's yeah. not the war in Ukraine. So yeah. I think I think, I think, think we can get away with young, beautiful people doing vacuous crap. I think that's okay. Um, I'm probably not going to watch it. It's, it's not my kind of thing. But, you know, I mean, more power to them. I mean, what they are, what it seemed to me is... Is, is, I, th- I think it's most definitely an, another marketing organ. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just a huge... It's going to be a huge marketing thing. But, was, you know, I, I mean, it'll look good, I suppose. Am I too grumpy? No, no, I think... I think... I think you expect... <laughs> to ex- the problem is board game coverage has developed on the internet. Yeah. It's not it's not developed it doesn't have a history in the way that other art forms have. And so it's it's its coverage and its commentary is developed solely on the internet. And the internet is independent people trying to make money. What is that? Well, the best way to make money currently is to be dishonest. <laughs> or or at least obscure at least obscure your true opinion and bathe yourself in in if not disingenuous but selective positivity 
But that's what it is, unfortunately. And so this is why I think organs like the Dice Tower. And that's not because I do work for them. I, I, I think at least the Dice Tower are trustworthy. And at least they're going to give you their real opinion. Um, and I, I take issue sometimes at the way they do things, just in terms of structure and style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the thing is, I, I have gone back after sort of years of not watching them. I've gone back to watching the Dice Tower now because at least I know I'm going to get an opinion that I can trust. And the rest of them can go and do their previews that they lie about and say their reviews, and that's fine. I just don't watch them, you know. And other people do. And, you know, people on Instagram can manipulate people to to make <laughs> money, like and that's, that's, that's fine. You know? I really don't like Instagram, which I'm finding kind of... It's, I mean, it's, it's really the, the amount of parasocial relationships that are developed on Instagram. And, you know, I could give you a list. I'm not going to do it. No, on no, no, because, not, no, no, no. Um, but it, but it is pretty, it is pretty, it is pretty immoral. I think. But I think you're right. I think there's not a body. It's not like there's a developed body where you join kind of like where we meet up. I mean, people, pe- there's not like a... So, so tabletop awards um, or anything like that, where there's a kind of a standard and kind of people people meet, meet, meet up. Is and, there no? Is there no greater self-indulgent friggin' circle jerk than the American tabletop awards? <laughs> Bloody hell! And and all it is is a self-glorification bullshit organization. And so much of this, so much of this stuff is. And the thing is, the thing is, okay, we get into this. So I applied for the job of editor of tabletop gaming, and I didn't get it. Right. And I asked. And I don't know if you I, wanted. I don't know if you wanted to talk about it. And I asked. I asked the outgoing editor because he was part of the decision making process. And and he told me they decided they wanted to go in a different direction. That yeah. was it. And he told me there was nothing I could have changed about my interview. And blah 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 blah. But I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't get to have a second interview. But I was thinking about this this central thing that there is no organ. And I think had I have got the job, one goal of mine would have been to have got the magazine into FLGSs in the States. Yeah. In the effort to try and make this, because it is by far, it's, apart from Spielbox in Germany, it's the only other real sort of proper magazine about tabletop gaming, about board gaming at least. Because America doesn't have one, which is which is very surprising. I was very surprised and- when I saw that. And so, and so, my goal was to try and make this a sort of central hub for reliable journalism and commentary on hmm. the art form of board games. And because, because I think the charlatans need to be hounded out. I, I, I don't care if you're creating entertainment. That doesn't bother me. Yeah. I think if you're obfuscating the truth. And making money for it, I think that is essentially immoral. And it's because, apart from the Dice Tower, there's the Dice Tower and Shut Up and Sit Down are the kind of closest to being the organs of uh, the organs. Everyone wants to be on on either of them, right? And they're they're the closest. And um, yeah, that's why I would have loved to have got that job because. I could have been working for an organization that dependability and trust was at the core of what they do, you know. And that is that is that is vital, I think, 
especially in times when you're talking about money and people spending money in straightened times, you should be honest. If you're encouraging, and I, I've always said this, as a as a reviewer of something, your job is to stop people buying, not yeah. encourage people to buy. And I think in in times like this, if you're if you're using subterfuge to encourage people to part with money, I think that's a that's a deeply it's it's deeply immoral. What about um, Kickstarter? Seems to be falling apart a bit. Is it? I don't know. I don't really follow it to be honest anymore. It seems to be kind of a, a kind of a glut of publishers, even after the kind of the price rises of freight and stuff like that. Who just seem to I mean, be it, it blows my mind that people lover. still. It blows my mind. So, so I was playing Darwin's Journey the other day. Yeah, okay. and I hated it. I hated right. it. Okay. And I'm going to play it again because I have only played it once, but it seemed to me to be the Kickstarterification of games. It's it's not just the thing is people assume that it's this cosmetic thing. It isn't. It's affecting it's affecting the design of games now. Mm. And this idea of a tight 90-minute Euro that doesn't have expansions, a Stefan Feld-type game, yeah. that doesn't have expansions, that is just this one singular work that is tight and beautifully designed. And the aspiration is to make the most efficiently designed game you can has completely been blown out of the water by Kickstarter because of the imperative to have... 20 expansions at launch to have all of these ludicrous components and then something to do with these components. And so what you've seen, I think, is I think if it was just involving, if if it was just informing the components and the art and stuff, that's fine, but it doesn't anymore. It, it, It directly informs the core of what the game is. And so many of these Kickstarter games that come out are just a lot of crap thrown into a box to justify screen-printed meeples. And so it's it's affecting the quality of the games, I think. It's kind of interesting because I got, I got hold of um, the Godfather game, Corleone's okay. Empire, which is one of Eric Lang's... I mean, it's years old now, but it, yeah, it, it yeah. came in kind of like the... you got the nice little figurines, the miniatures, and you've got... But it's just a game. There's no expansions there's no kind of big stuff to it you get some little little metal kind of really cutesy kind of suitcases that you put money in to show that you're kind of siphoning it off from giving it to the um from before you're kind of like paying paying tribute to the dawn and i it kind of had me thinking that if that was kind of like if that had been kickstarted now there would probably have been at least two other expansions there would have been a Godfather to follow up. There would have been kind of character art. There would have been a whole pile of things instead of this pretty enjoyable kind of pretty tight game. And it's by yeah, C- I think by Simon as well, which is like really surprising. I I think kind of um, now when I think about buying games, I think about buying games that are not kickstarted by German publishers released in Germany. Because then I know I'm going to get a really nice, tight, a really nice, tight Euro game that is going to be something I like that is not going to be... I don't care about metal coins, especially. I don't care about sort of plastic doodads. I don't really care. I I want a good, tight Euro game that I'm going to love and want to 
want to play again and again and again. And you're just not getting that from so many Kickstarter games, I don't think. Have you played um, any of the Fort Circle stuff? Votes for Women or... Oh, yes, 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 yes. I, 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 um, I'm interviewing. I'm interviewing Tory, actually. When? In a couple of, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, me too. I'll race you. <laughs> and, um, I'll race you. And it's it's not about speed; it's about performance, as you well know. And I will race, I will race you, and I'll still have breath. <laughs> and um, I I think Fort Circle, I think Fort Circle are. I I released a battle report, which is me and my partner Steve. We play yeah. a game, and it's Patreon yeah. exclusive content. Yeah, about votes for women, and what we said. Well, I said at least was that I, I really kind of admire what Fort Circle are doing in that they're trying they're trying to democratize historical games by bringing out well-designed games that are approachable and playable. Yes. And I think it's a really admirable thing. And I think the games are good and and they're just produced enough to be attractive. The components yes. are just nice enough. The little ticks and the yes, little yeah, crosses yeah, yeah, in Votes yeah, for yeah, Women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really nice and really compelling, but they're not over the top. No. And there's not, you know, there's not six-foot-high miniatures of Emmeline Pankhurst in the box or anything, you know. And they, I think they have a restrained, what, what's the what, what's a good way of putting it? They have a restrained bombasticness that I think a lot of publishers need to return to. I think the way that they represent what was happening at that time is done or been done so much better by them than other games that I've seen that are trying to tell some kind of kind of story. And it was the case that after, you know, after I played it. And after I was playing it, that was when I went, oh, I I actually, that was Tori Brown. I kind of contacted them and said, look, would you like to come on the show? Because I want to find out where, you know, where this kind of idea came I from. Mean, really. I mean, I think there's no question. There's no question that there's a little bit of editorializing in the game. Yeah. If you read some of the flavor texts, the historical notes on some of the cards, there is a little bit of editorializing. Hmm. Not, It's not extreme and it's not over the top, but occasionally you read a card and go, all right, you know, I I mean, I knew what, I knew what your political affiliation was before I played this, but, you know, you don't have to smack me over the head with it. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's the age in which we live, right? You have to bring your complete self to work at all bloody times. Yeah. And frankly, frankly... <laughs> The thing is, people seem people seem absolutely people seem absolutely insistent on discussing politics at all times, and yet seem to know shag all about politics, apart from bumper sticker Twitter bios. And so, <laughs> this is why this is why I tell you, you know, I'm miserable about lots of stuff. But what I'm not miserable about, particularly, although this interview hasn't as it sounded like it, what I'm not miserable about is social media because I just don't engage with it anymore. Yeah, I I don't look at Twitter anymore. Because occasionally, maybe once a month, I'll go through my timeline, and I'm fuming within thirty seconds because people are bloody idiots, and 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 people consider people consider a a well worded tweet to be activism, and it's not. You none of you are activists. None of you are activists. You're all <laughs> fucking capitalists because we all are capitalists. 
you know, I posted I posted something the other day. So in this Darwin's journey yeah. game. Yeah. I shouldn't have posted it because I shouldn't post it, right? Yeah. But like the player components don't come in one bag. Right. They like separate them out into like seven different bags. And I just took a picture and I went, come on, come on, lads. Just give the turtles a break for five minutes, you know. <laughs> and, and and someone else posted, there's more plastic in a packet of Oreos. And then someone else went and did the finger up emoji to that comment and went, this. And it's like, it's like, lads, why do you have to be capitalists all the time? And I'm sure these are people who at the same time go oh blah 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 over some issue no one gives a shit about that only people on twitter give a shit about i mean the world is burning you're killing turtles give the turtles a five minute bloody break lads you know what i mean just give them a five minute break they're having it they're hard enough as it is just give them time to like pop around the back sit on a milk crate and have a fag before you start forcing plastic down their neck again you know turtle with a cigarette and there's a vision <laughs> it's it's um it is it's a, a very very strange world. The thing is that it was my fault. It was my fucking fault going on such a useless a useless platform to try and make a point about anything. It's absolutely bloody pointless. <laughs> Twitter Twitter is absolutely pointless. I can't and if you think you're if you think you're changing the fucking world by going on and doing witty fucking come downs on Twitter on people and that, you're not. You're fucking not. <laughs> you're adding to the you're adding to the slurry that is uh, that is that is up to our ankles at this point. I don't want to drown in your friggin' feculence. So shut your fucking mouths. So um, thanks for joining our kids special, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> And if you're interested in not seeing the point about things, where can we find you? On the yeah, if you want to explain this to me, and I mean, you can be a knobhead as well. I mean, you can shout at me and and call me a Nazi. Why would you want to do that? Because people on the internet love it, don't they? It, gets, it makes them feel good. But um, yeah, if you, I I am at fivegamesfordoomsday.com. Mm-hmm. I am also um at five games for doomsday on Twitter. Don't tweet at me i don't give a shit i'm not going to respond because i fucking hate twitter um i got a youtube channel which i've restarted again on the subject of having to start from scratch i never stopped doing the podcast but with the with the youtube thing it's fucking brutal i didn't do it for two years for for reasons and uh, i'm starting right from the bottom again even though i think my videos are pretty good um so you five games for doomsday on on the youtubes and that and uh yeah that that's it really and um yeah and if you if know. you if you've listened along tonight, and you want to find out where we are on the internet web, just go to the internet and search for "We Are Not Wizards." You've yeah. you can find us in all the different don't, places. Don't don't give us zero stars. That's rough. I'm don't not give us from, ten stars. That's over Taunton. the top. I'm not from Taunton. Just put it. All right. Sorry. Sorry. You you should have listened to the latest uh, news episode actually, because I did a quite dashing impression of you on it. I am going to listen to it. Right. I've so just, so. Don't, Danny, Danny, give us zero stars. That's just rude. But Danny, give us ten stars. Because that's, like, too much. Just go in the middle somewhere. You know? Give us, like, five stars. Maybe write a review saying, Oh, I love his accent. It's very sexy. Hello, my name's Billy. It sounds like Mel Gibson going up. What are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing now, William? I'm off to pick a fight. 
Um, that's what that sounded like. That's the thing. It's like ask a Scottish person to do a Scottish accent is the most funniest thing in the world because they all do a very, very extreme Scottish accent as opposed to just speaking in their normal right. voice. <laughs> Anytime opposed, you see a yeah. Scottish person and you say, go and do a Scottish accent, rather than them just going, what do you mean like this? They go, oh, I... That's it, that's it. People say to me, like, oh, oh, where are you from? And I say, Worcestershire. And they, they say, I'll do Worcestershire accent. I'm like, all right, my lover. I love a pint of cider, I do. I've been sterner than moon and wondering why it glows. Um, <laughs> there you go. Anyway, it's time to go. It's time to say goodbye. It's time to get out of here. It's time to leave. We've had, I'm all ranted out. We're all ranted out. We're all tired. I'm glad that was there. as Ill, ill-tempered as it usually is. I just did. I, I enjoyed it immensely. So there's only a couple of more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Ben? Don't disappoint me. Uh, I don't think magic is real. Good. That's enough for me. And then it's a goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the wonderful, rather fantastic, didn't do an intro for, but he's on his, he's on his doomsday book with all five of them, I think. Yeah. Also, also, what I forgot to say is uh, kickstart my RPG sometime this year. Kickstart. <laughs> You're, are you going to do your ki- after? I'm going to do it on Kickstart. I'm going to do it on Kickstart. I've got to finish it first, though. Wow. And I'm going to ask one of my board game artist friends if they'll do the cover for me. So there you and go. they'll all they'll all say no. I'll do it. Um, and uh, <laughs> I don't want a cover of badly drawn Willies, Richard. Thank you very much. <laughs> They're pretty good. Got the veins down and everything. <laughs> but, but say goodbye, Ben. Uh, goodbye, Ben. And goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Uh, make something awful. But until the next Wizard time, let's rock. Noisy early. He arrives precisely when he means to.